0: Well, as we uh, we're continuing to look at uh, the names of Jesus that uh, uh, were mentioned in the prophecy that Isaiah gave 700 years before Jesus' birth, in verse 6 of chapter 9, it says, uh, for to us a child will be born, a son will be given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, His name will be called Mighty God. This is one of the things that uh, I think that really confuses people, and that is the incarnation of Jesus, Uh, more specifically, the deity of Jesus. The fact that Jesus is God. There are a lot of people that have a problem with that. They seem to think that he was just a man. You know, I've, uh, I've mentioned before, we have uh, two candles up here. And uh, these candles remind us uh, that Jesus is very God of very God and very man of very man. You cannot take away from his humanity. You cannot take away from his deity. He is human. It says that he emptied himself. And took on human flesh. Uh, but he is God, and so uh, and this is just such a of a, a, a distinction that so many people just don't even want to consider because they just don't see how it fits with things. They think uh, that uh, somehow uh, Jesus was just a man that was greatly inspired, but uh, if you start looking at, script- at scripture, you see that it's much much more than that. Look, here even 700 years before his birth is being foretold and it said that he will be mighty God. Uh it says in uh uh in the Gospel of John, the first chapter, the first verse, we read in the beginning was the word. And that's with a capital W. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Now notice, you know, some people say, well, we're all God's children. But here it says, those who receive him, to him, them he gives the right to become children of God. We are born separated from God. We're born uh, uh, with uh, a sinful nature that somehow must be overcome. And there's no way that we can overcome it since the fall of man. But God made a way. And that's what we're looking at today. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And listen to this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then John says, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now you've got to remember, this is of the apostle John writing this, This is an eyewitness account. If you'll remember, John, the disciple, was one of those that was up on the Mount of Transfiguration who saw Jesus transfigured and saw him in his glory and then heard the voice speak and say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is an eyewitness account, you see. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is of higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. The incarnation is Jesus revealed, or God revealed in Jesus Christ. God became a man. God took on human flesh. The Trinity is a—it's uh, hard to understand, and I'm not going to try to give you great detail about it. But three persons. One God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they interact. They were all God and they were all involved in creation. It's not the Father is the creator and then the Son is the Savior and then the Holy Spirit uh, is our guide. Every one of them was involved in creation. If you'll look at the very beginning of Genesis, you'll see that, uh, uh, that uh, it was void, that it, everything was void, and it says that the Spirit hovered over the waters. The Holy Spirit was involved in creation, and then it says that God spake the world into existence, and this came through Jesus. Jesus spoke, and the pre-incarnate Jesus spoke. It says, and the worlds were formed. This is amazing to me because whenever scientists start breaking down matter, it breaks down into atoms and, you know, molecules, atoms, and then you get into these, all these different, you know, protons, neutrons, and all these other little things, and now that they've broken those things down into little pieces, and whenever you finally break it all down, you wind up with energy, and it's sound waves. Isn't that amazing? He spake the worlds into existence, and whenever you break it all down, what you wind up with is sound waves. It's amazing to me how this all goes together. And uh, for people to think that this all just came about happenstance, uh, they're living in a different world than God created. They're living in his world, but as it says, they haven't received him. And so they're not looking at things from his point of view. And those people that say that these are all are just a bunch of myths, and that Jesus was a myth, they just can't see. Uh, if you look around right now, you can see God's uh, word coming true. Uh, we read about uh, the government will be upon his shoulders. This is a messianic prophecy. The Jews were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. Now, a modern-day counterpart of that, if you look at ISIS... If you'll notice every down there they'll talk about the caliphate. They are establishing a caliphate in uh Iran and Syria. Uh is it Iran or Iraq and Syria? Uh, and that's the the IS stands for uh oh anyway, Islamic State Iran Iraq and Syria or Iran and Syria. Not Iraq and Syria. Uh, I'll get it right sooner or later. Anyway, but what see it's a messianic form of Islam. Not a messianic, but it's an evangelistic form of Islam. And what they want to do is establish a kingdom. You remember in the pro- prophecy about, uh, uh, Jesus, it says that the government will be upon his shoulders and it'll know no end and, uh, and he will be from the house of David. Well, the Caliph, I'm, I'm sorry, the, the British pronunciation is Caliph, the American pronunciation is Caliph. So, uh, uh, the caliph must be a descendant of Muhammad, from a certain line from Muhammad. And there's a guy now that fits that, and uh, that's the woman who uh, went online on Facebook, the one who was involved in the, uh, uh, the thing the other day, and, uh, uh, and she pledged her, uh, uh, her, her allegiance to so-and-so al-Baghdadi and, uh, and to ISIS. Well, al-Baghdadi is the one who is attempting to become and the one they're going to try to make the caliph over this caliphate, which they expect to extend to cover all of Israel, uh, to cover, uh, uh, they want it to expand and cover the whole world. And so uh, you see, like al-Baghdadi is their counterpart to the Jewish messiah. The Jews didn't recognize Jesus when he came, but they were looking for a leader that was going to be from the house of David that would be a military leader, that would be a a man who is going to be empowered and anointed by God. And that's exactly the way that they look upon the caliph. Do you see? So the Jews didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah, and so, uh, but do you see there are, they, they, they missed the boat. They're going to have a chance and they will one day. Uh, they will, it says that they're going to come back to him. But the thing, what I'm trying to say is, is that those, the, the caliphate is a worldly counterpart, a fleshly counterpart, a devilish, let's go ahead and say it, counterpart to the kingdom of God. They are deceived. They think that they are bringing about the kingdom of God, but uh, and this is it gets very confusing. But they think that they are going to be that's. But let's see, they're bringing in the kingdom of God by the sword. When we look on, it says that nation will rise up against nation. We knew all this stuff was going to happen. Uh, if you look at the Bible, then look at your newspaper. They line up perfectly, and so uh, everything is headed toward this time ultimately, where one day, many many years from now. There'll be a lot happening between now and then, but the nations are going to be rising up and they're all the believers that ever were are going to be lined up behind Jesus. And they're going to be meeting people that have been deceived by Satan. And we're all going to stand there ready for battle. And guess what? Jesus is going to just speak and they're going to be toast. It's all going to be over. And that is when the kingdom will really come. But everybody, and I can't go on much longer about this, but, uh, but the thing is is I just want to give you all that parallel there that uh, that those are happening. But the thing is is that Jesus, this is where it all what it all comes down to is the fact that we uh, I, I remember I've, I've had people come to me and say, well, now you know, Moses, Martin Luther, King, Muhammad, Confucius, Jesus, they're all really God, aren't they? Is't it all the same? And the thing is, this is what we're getting at. No, they're not. These other guys, uh, Moses was God's friend. Moses was close to God. Some of these other guys that I've mentioned were uh, very religious. They were seeking truth, many of them. Many of them were in some way, they were very serious about trying to get to God. But you see, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come to the Father but by me. And so all these others and then all these that are following these other ways, they're missing the boat because all these other leaders are mortal. But Jesus is God and Jesus is the only way. And uh, it's just amazing. So what does this all come down to? It's the fact that the thing that's missing more than anything else is what God did in Jesus. And here's what he did, Becky. I'm I'm not going to get you to confess or anything, but uh, the thing is, let's let's just suppose that you were driving down the road, and suppose you were in. I know it's forty miles and forty-five miles an hour here, and it's easy to turn off onto this road that comes by the church and go fifty-five if you're not watching what you're doing. Suppose that you got caught and you got a ticket. It's so many miles per hour for so many. Of uh, uh so many dollars per each mile over the speed limit, usually in most communities, and so you got a ticket, the law is the law, you were caught dead to right, speeding. you got to pay your fine, but suppose you go to the courthouse to the to the to the judge and you're standing there, it's your turn to come up and pay your fine, and the judge looks says, "Oh, Becky, it's you, and it turns out that the judge is your father who loves you dearly. And said, well, you know what, Becky? Since since it's you, we're going to just let this slide. Next, would that be right? Would it be fair? Would it be just? And see, this is just it. God is a God of justice. And it wouldn't be right for him to treat some people one way and some people another way. And so he doesn't have exceptions. When he says... I am the way, the truth, and the life he means it. There's no other way but by him, and this is the reason why, because God uh is like Becky's father. He maybe say that Becky's father loved her very much, even though he loved her very much, he couldn't bend the rules for her, or then he wouldn't be a fair judge if he's going to be a fair judge, he's got to keep the rules he's got to follow the law well the wages of sin is death. The penalty for sin is death. This is the dilemma. God loves you. He loves you very much, every one of you. But every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And none of us have the money to pay our own fine. None of us have the ability to pay our own fine, except with our lives. The wages of sin is death, and that's eternal death. But God loved us so much that what he did, Becky, supposed that he said, well, I can't let you off the hook, but I can do this. If he stepped down from behind the judge's bench as the fair and righteous judge, and he came around on the other side as your father who loves you very much and paid the fine for you, would that be okay? Would that be fair? Would that keep the keep the law? And that is what God did in Jesus Christ. He stepped down from his throne of justice, and he went and he hung on a cross, and he paid the fine for each one of us so that each one of us could be free from the law of sin and death and be with him forever. We have to receive that gift that's offered. Becky could say, no, no, I'm going to pay it myself. Would that be, be loving to her father? It was offering to do something good for her. Well, many, many people say, no, no, to God, I'm going to do it myself and then try to work things out on their own. But it's not going to work. It's not going to work. As we come to the Lord's table this morning, we remember that this is what God did for us in Jesus Christ. And you see, it was God in Jesus. It wasn't God in any other sort of a man, but God himself in Jesus Christ. No other man is like that. No other religious leader could do what Jesus did because no other religious leader is or ever will be God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.